I guess, yeah, that's that level of having to feel like you have to meet the majority where they are as opposed to just being yourself for fear of it, like, I don't know, either being um, misunderstood or not respected or, uh, yeah, that's sort of it. Just the fact that we have to sit with this awareness of, like, being one of only in the space as opposed to just, like, comfortable. Like, you guys are just, it's not a thing that, awareness that you have to have in the space, but it's just one that I have to have, so. It's like an extra Um, burden, you know? (laughs) Yeah, in a way, right. It's like, I want to be able to just show up and just do my job too and not have that like extra thing in the back of my mind, which is like something I'm working towards because it's like at the end of the day, if I continue to just temper myself that I'm never going to actually know what it's like to be my full self in these spaces and have to maybe like educate people or whatever else. So, yeah. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about helping you develop the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers and talent, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. This episode is part of a special edition series on the podcast I'm doing for Black History Month called Listen to Them, where Black talent and consumers share their real life stories and perspectives on working in teams and inclusive marketing. When this goes live, we are in Black History Month 2023, but the content is relevant always, especially when you consider how important it is to engage with underrepresented and underserved communities you're working to woo all year long. I also want to note that while the episodes in the series focus on Black talent and consumers, the insights you'll glean from their stories can help you as you work to serve talent and consumers from other marginalized communities as well. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. A few years ago, I traveled to Philadelphia for a client meeting. It was a workshop that had participants from a number of different functional areas. Out of the 65 people attending the meeting, I was one of three Black people there. There was me, the consultant. There was a person running the meeting who'd invited me and one additional participant. Now, I'm someone who's no stranger to being the only or one of a few in a room who were like me. In fact, at that time, I lived in Buenos Aires where it was rare for me to see other Black people But stepping into this setting was a bit jarring for me. I was very much aware of the lack of representation in the room and the immediate internal signals I received about what that meant about my performance in the room that day. I had to make it clear that not only did I belong there, but that the room was better off because I was in it. I'm Sonia Thompson, an inclusive brand coach and strategist. And in this special edition episode of the Inclusion and Marketing Podcast, 
you're going to hear from people I've talked to about their experiences with being the only or one of a few in the room. As more companies are making a more concerted effort to build diverse and representative teams, there's still work to be done to ensure that the people on your teams, especially those who have differences that make them stand out from the dominant group, feel like they belong. And creating that sense of belonging can only occur if you have a sound understanding of the unique needs, challenges, and frustrations of people who find themselves often in situations in a professional setting where there are few or others like them. As you listen to their stories, you'll start to pick up on some themes. The first of those themes is what I alluded to in my initial story, the pressure to perform at a high level and to represent the community you are a part of well so more doors can be open for others in the future. So it it's no longer uncomfortable because it's now been decades where in my field, I go to meetings, particularly meetings with leadership. And I always, even now I scan the room and I'm like, okay, what does this room look like? You know, are there any other black or brown people here? And it's very few. Sometimes there's a, a slight increase, but it's never enough where it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is wonderful. And so I feel like there's a bit of a pressure to, for lack of a better phrase, represent and to basically be on, like make sure that if I'm given the opportunity to speak or I take the opportunity to speak, that I make sure that I know what I'm speaking about and not just kind of half-heartedly or even, you know, just just for the sake of talking, offering information. So I try to make sure that I'm overly prepared so that I can, you know, bring some awareness that people who look like me are actually capable of being in this setting. There is a, a pressure to be the best or better or more than just average. A friend of mine asked me maybe a couple of years ago, like, did I feel pressure to, you know, to, to be better? And I said, absolutely. And she was kind of surprised by that response. But at the same time, you know, you have to be better often, or at least it's perceived that you have to be better in order to even be considered equal. My experience, it, it's always the, I'm the token, you know, I'm the token. Anytime there's questions about, you know, Black people or anything that has to deal with Black people, I'm the, I'm the go-to. I'm the, you know, ask the questions of that or that's pretty much a lot of it is that I'm I'm just kind of the like the token black person whenever I'm the only one in there. How does that make you feel? Well, it's frustrating, obviously, um, because there's not one specific way that that black women act or how we behave or how we dress or our hair. It was it was just a big one, too. But then it's a it's an added stress or pressure so that way you can make sure that you're not seen or viewed as the stereotype. You know, you have to make sure that you're speaking and you're articulating in a way so that way you're not coming across as the angry black woman or, you know, I can't dress a certain type of way because we're seen as these, you know, provocative. So it's an added stress that you have because you have to make sure that you're representing the culture right. At least that's how I feel. Yeah. I guess in a way I've had many experiences in that space, being in that space. So sometimes it definitely feels like there's a, I guess, a communication barrier in terms of how 
people communicate around like desires or wants or needs. But the feeling of it, I guess, I don't know, it's like I've experienced it a lot. So I've just kind of been able to like navigate it in a way that it doesn't feel so jarring, at least when it's new. Yes, it could feel that way. But it is something that I've just had to get used to. I guess sometimes the feeling of it is like there's an extra pressure in those spaces too, to show up in a way that feels like it's still received well by the audience, but then like also it still feels authentic to me. So it's kind of navigating how to balance that line. Yeah, I think sometimes I also feel like a sense of like, in a way, pride and like gratefulness to be in that space too, to know that to be one of the only, one of the few, maybe one of the first feels like, okay, you're here, you're in this space for a reason, like make the most of it, you know, be still be yourself. And that's a, I was talking about like trying to define that line of like, you're here for a reason. It is also okay to be yourself in this space, but still want to be heard and all of that. So it's an interesting space to be in. I've kind of gotten over the like the uncomfortability or fear of like being in those spaces, but it's just like still a thing of like, you're in your head a lot. I'm in my head a lot about like that, like just being there and not just, you know, there to do my job or whatever, but like how I'm being perceived by others in the space too. So, and it's not a fear. It's just an awareness. It's definitely, I have to be like, I'm ultra aware of the space that I'm in. Have you ever felt like somebody thought that people who look like you didn't weren't capable or didn't belong in those settings? I did not, not in my current field, but when I first started working, I applied for a position and, you know, during the interview process, I remember the the person that was um, doing the interview, he kind of had this puzzled look on his face, which I still, I'll never forget. I don't remember his name, but I'll never forget the look on his face. And finally he just asked, he's like, where are you from? And it was a, a local, you know, a local business. And he's like, where are you from? And I told him, I'm like, from here. And he just couldn't shake, like something wasn't adding up. And so I took that as to mean that I didn't sound like the other Black people that he had encountered. And so therefore he was puzzled as to like, where, where was I from? Because I couldn't be from this place because that was not what he expected. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, for the first time ever, with an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Another unfortunate reality for many being the only or one of a few like them in a room in a professional setting is that they feel the need to adapt their behavior in order to fit in 
when they'd really just prefer to be and show up as their full self the way that others can and do? Mm, I'm not going to say uncomfortable, but I mean, when you're in a room with a whole bunch of people who don't look like you, you know, you're kind of the odd one out. So you maybe step back a little bit or not. It kind of depends on the personalities of everyone else. But sometimes it can be awkward. But after a while, I guess you kind of get used to it, not wanting to get used to it, but it just it'll almost seem normal, which Um, it really didn't be. Have you ever felt like you've had to adjust your behavior or adapt because of being like the only one or one of a few? At times, but I think as I got older, no. It's kind of like, here it is. You either like it or you don't. And if you don't, that's okay. Adapting my hair. I have worn my hair naturally. And then there are times that I haven't. Lately, I've been wearing natural hair at work, but before I wasn't, I got to a place of being comfortable with who I was working with. I've been working with the same group for a couple of years now, so I had a comfort level. But for example, if I start a new job tomorrow, I'm not wearing my natural hair. Oh, would you go to an interview with your natural hair? No. Yeah, I feel like the way I, because I've worked in predominantly black spaces as well. And so I feel like there's a comfortability with just like communicating in my natural form, but then like in certain uh, like other spaces, wider spaces, just like having to temper my, I guess, like the fullness or the emotion or like something, you know, it could be very um, like maybe talk more with my hands and I'm in a comfortable space or like be more like a fuller self. So I feel like I do have to like temper myself in ways of just like, not being quote unquote too much. Cause like, I don't know, it's just, I can see people's response sometimes. It's like, like they ate a lemon or something. It's like, okay, you can't handle someone in their fullness. Fine. All right, let me bring it down. Um, so that sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, not, not being myself, but just having to like know and be aware of when it's okay to be in my fullness in a, in certain spaces and just like give, and be sort of meeting the the area and the space where they are. So it's just one thing I've noticed is like the energy can just be very like mellow and flat. And sometimes like doing more outside of that seems I see like reactions to it. So it's like just feeling like I have to meet the energy around me sometimes is more what it, it feels like. Do you ever feel like because you're not always, you don't always feel like you're able to bring your full self, has that affected your performance in these type of environments or spaces or how well you can contribute? I think so. Yeah. Cause it's like having to feel like I have to translate the way I would just naturally say something to like a way that would be, I don't know, acceptable. So it does in a way feel like I'm giving like a watered down version of how I would like want to just say things and like, you know, show up. So yeah, it does feel like that sometimes. As you might imagine, having to feel like you represent an entire group of people, managing how others perceive you, and even adapting your behavior is exhausting, and people feel the labor and the burden of doing that, and it's separate from doing the actual work they are in the meetings to do. I guess, yeah, that's that level of having to feel like you have to meet the majority where they are as opposed to just being 
yourself for fear of it, like, I don't know, either being um, misunderstood or not respected or, uh, yeah, that's sort of it. Just the fact that we have to sit with this awareness of, like, being one of only in the space as opposed to just, like, comfortable. Like, you guys are just, it's not a thing that, awareness that you have to have in the space, but it's just one that I have to have, so. It's like an extra Um, burden, you know? (laughs) Yeah, in a way, right. It's like, I want to be able to just show up and just do my job too and not have that like extra thing in the back of my mind, which is like something I'm working towards because it's like at the end of the day, if I continue to just temper myself that I'm never going to actually know what it's like to be my full self in these spaces and have to maybe like educate people or whatever else. So yeah. Another consequence of being different is not always getting the jokes or references that are being had among people in the dominant group. It's just an added communication barrier that can hinder relationships with teammates. I mean, it's not always cool to be a minority. You know, sometimes you want to be included. There may be times where they're talking about something you have no earthly clue what they're talking about, and you're just nodding, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. And you had no clue. So being who I am, I'm going to go Google it or find out on my own without letting on that I have no clue what they're talking about. There could also be a communication barrier in terms of like just the way people like, I guess in a way it feels like lingo. It feels like maybe industry lingo or maybe even like smaller, not even this industry, but like cultural lingo that like goes over my head. And it's like, all right, note for later. What is that? In going through this process of talking to people and listening to their stories, I wanted to make sure you had some tangible feedback and takeaways about people's experiences. So I ask, what is it that you wish people knew about being the only or one of a few in a room in a professional setting? Oh, listen, don't assume, because you, you, everybody has stereotypes from what they've seen, what they, they've been around, but don't, when you meet someone new, don't project that stereotype that you might think they are and and just get to know them. I wish they knew that it's not okay to assume and that I wish they knew, and this kind of goes back to what I did my dissertation on, I wish they knew the issues and the struggles that specifically women of color or people of color in general have, because a lot of the times they, they think or they say they have no idea, but I wish they knew how you know, from the very beginning on applying to a job, we're up against it because of our names on the resume, or we're up against it in an interview because of wearing our natural curls, or, you know, the let me touch your hair, you know, kind of a thing. I wish they knew those things that we have to face and that we struggle with. So that way, maybe they can be more aware and more sensitive to it. Because at this at this point, a lot of people are having these conversations, right? So ignorance shouldn't be a reason why it continues to happen. So I wish they knew the, the pressures and the struggles that, that we face every single day. I wish they knew that they knew my awesomeness. They knew my strength. They knew that I was brilliant and had a lot to offer without me having to prove it. I wish that there was more of a openness to say, hey, what could you contribute or just a more inclusive feeling versus being set aside and then just kind of blended into the masses. As we close out this episode, here are two points I want to leave you with. Belonging is about acceptance of people as they are. The goal of having diverse teams 
isn't to have everyone assimilate. The goal is for people to feel comfortable enough to show up as themselves, knowing that it is not only okay, but welcomed and valued. And the second point is that the burden of belonging cannot only be on the person who is different. Everyone on the team has a role to play in working to ensure that everyone on the team, and especially those with differences, feel like they belong. I want to make sure you're clear on what actions you can take based upon the learnings provided from the people I talked to from this episode, as well as others in this series. So I also want to provide a space to talk about and process what you heard. So at the end of this month, February 22nd through 24th, I'll be hosting a three-day live virtual event where I'll walk you through next steps and an action plan, so to speak, to help you make more of the people you serve, both talent and consumers, feel like they belong with you. Go to listentothem.co, that's listentothem.co, where you can find all the details about the workshops and get registered. There you'll also find all the episodes in this series. That's it for this special edition episode of the Inclusion and Marketing Podcast. If you liked it, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend or colleague. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.